This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of March 23rd, 2015, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to a hippity-hoppity special episode of Defender Radio. As sure as eggs are being hidden by the Easter Bunny in homes across the country this week, many parents are planning special gifts for their children, including bunnies. But these intelligent, beautiful animals require special care and a long-time commitment, much more so than many people understand. And that's when the heroes at the Small Animal Rescue Society of BC get involved. Founded in 2004, the volunteer-run group focuses their efforts on the needs of small animals, ranging from bunnies and chinchillas to rats and hamsters. And they've got an important message this time of year. Don't give rabbits as gifts. Lisa Hutchian of the Small Animal Rescue Society of BC joined Defender Radio to talk rabbits, small animal rescue, and how everyone can be a hero this Easter. Tell me a bit about Small Animal Rescue Society of BC. What's what's the backstory there? Uh, this year we're 10 years old. Uh, we were founded in 2004. Uh, the original, the original people involved, we were a group of dog walkers at a local SPCA, and we found that every time we went in, there was small animals there, and they sort of fell through the cracks. You know, no volunteers were there for them, or the staff were busy. And so what we did is we took upon ourselves to take them into foster care. And then at some point, it sort of reached, um, you know, the numbers where we had to start up a foster program. And then we'd start to get animals out into foster care. And then it got to a point there where we had so many that we were trying to support it. So we thought, well, in order to do so, we had to form a charity. And uh, since uh, November 2004, we've been a registered charity celebrating our 10th. That's outstanding. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Ten years post by pretty quick. Absolutely. And uh, how many animals do you deal with on a, on a yearly basis? Um, it's usually it stays steady, probably around a couple hundred. Um, we have a small rabbit shelter which is dedicated just to rabbits, and we don't really publicize that though because we don't want people dumping. Um, so that it almost acts as a little bit of a sanctuary because a lot of the rabbits we bring in aren't the, are the ones that people don't want. They're either big or they're black or they're white with pink eyes. And then a lot in our system are permanent fosters where they have special needs. Again, they're adoptable. All of them are adoptable, but um, as I said, the ones that we usually work with, people don't want. So they're with us for quite a while. And then we have other animals such as guinea pigs, hamsters, um, chinchillas, dagoos all sorts of things in foster care. So it's, it's about, probably about 200. Wow. Um, it's surprising that there are that many uh, that people sort of want to give up. Why is it that so many of these small animals end up needing a new home? The thing is, people go into it and they don't do the research. A lot of the small animals are either impulse purchases or they're what they consider starter pets for their kids. If their kids do well with a rabbit or a guinea pig, then they'll look at getting them a dog. And a lot of people go into it, they get them, they don't realize that their lifespan can be 10 years for a rabbit, can be 6 years for a guinea pig, can be 20 years for a chinchilla. And so their, you know, their child sort of loses interest probably after a couple months. Then they're either looking to get another dog or they're looking to rehome the other animal. And one of the problems is also a lot of pet stores will sell 
animals, they don't know the sexes, and they clearly state on their website, you know, sex of the animal cannot be guaranteed. A lot of them are sold pregnant, or a lot of them are sold in, you know, um, opposite sex pairs. And then the people wake up one morning and there's 17 babies, or there's rabbit with 10 babies. And, you know, the one or two instantly turns into 12 or 14 or 15, and it's more than someone can handle. Yeah, they, uh, they, they reproduce like rabbits. Like <laughs> <laughs> breeders. Every month, every 28 days, rabbits have a new litter. Really? And yeah, they're induced ovulators, so the minute, um, you know, they have sex, they are pregnant. Wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a joke yeah. about Irish Catholics in there, but I won't make it because I'm sensitive. <laughs> um, <laughs> Probably that's not. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, I, I had gerbils when I was little. Um, right. And I remember thinking they were really cool, and then they killed each other. Um Oh, yeah. Wait. That's another thing. So what? why are some of these issues not discussed? I mean, when, when you go into a pet store, there, now there's communities where they're banning the sale of animals, period. Uh, but why aren't these things talked about by these pet store owners? First and foremost, animals aren't seen as, you know, a living being. When you're looking at pet stores, they're a product, right? So they're a means to the end. They're the thing that draws people in, and for every animal that's sold, the cage is sold, bedding sold, food sold, food bowls, toys, all that sort of stuff. So it's all the product they can sell. And a lot of times small animals are given, if someone buys a cage, they're given free. So they're kind of like loss leaders in that sense. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the time, you know, you know, they'll be discounted. If you buy a cage, the price gets discounted. Or if you buy a cage, they're free. Or a lot of times they're just so cheap. But the problem is a lot of the pet stores, they either don't know the animals that they're selling. A lot of the stores are staffed by teenagers who definitely don't know them. They may have had one as a pet, but they don't have experience with their full lifespan or they don't have experience with all the different species they're selling. So, I mean, we're, we're also looking at Easter right now. Um, and humane societies and rescues like yours right across the country are putting on the full gears. Do not give bunnies for Easter. Uh, it's it's a pretty obvious gift idea for children um, because bunnies and the death and resurrection of Christ all make sense somehow. But uh, why shouldn't they be given as pets? What what is wrong with going out and getting a bunny for a child at Easter? Well, I guess the problem originates when people think of rabbits. They think of cute, cuddly, fluffy, adorable little animals kids can carry around because every picture you see with regards to Easter, it's that iconic image of a small child, you know, hugging a rabbit and just, you know, loving on this little animal. But the actual truth is rabbits are a prey animal. And the last thing they appreciate is being off the ground, being held tight and just being restricted. So they look to struggle. And these guys have really light bone structure. So, you know, if the child tries to restrain them, or hold them too tight, the rabbit might give a nip. It's not a bite, it's just a nip to say, let me go, or they might get scratched, and then the child drops them. So they're just not a good match for kids. Um, you know, as a prey animal, prey animals don't like quick movements, they don't like loud movements, they don't like, you know, being off the ground. And what does a child want to do? They want to run up to an animal, they want to pick it up, they want to, you know, hold it. And that's sort of, where the problem starts is because people's expectation of a rabbit, what it should be, and actually what it is, 
are quite different. And that's not to say that, you know, some rabbits don't like to be held because there's, you know, maybe the 2% that enjoy to be picked up. There's certain breeds that are a little more tolerant, a little more friendly, and they handle um, being sort of, you know, manhandled by kids or loud family situations, no problem. But for a lot of rabbits, it's really stressful. And that's when people, you know, they come to us after they realize that this isn't what they expected and the child lost interest and the parents have no interest in continuing to care for the animal. Um, so then they look for options for it to go or where to place it. Yeah, and are there ever instances of people releasing bunnies thinking, well, I see rabbits around here all the time, so it's all good? Well, that's another big problem is the rabbits sort of inhabit this gray area, the crossover area. You know, they're they're used for meat, they're used for fur, they're used for lab purposes, they're used for um, food for people and their animals, and then they're also a pet. And so um, when people think of a rabbit, and also their wildlife, so when people think of their rabbit and they no longer want it, a lot of them think it's kind to let them loose and let them be free. But these are domesticated animals. They're not brown like wild cottontails. You know, they don't have sort of that instinct. Um, for example, we're not allowed to rehab wildlife like a wild cottontail. Um, and they have quite different needs than a domestic rabbit. So people think they're doing them a favor and they release them. And all it takes is them to meet another rabbit. And you have babies in a month. And then those babies will be breeding a few months down the road. And so one or two rabbits goes to 60 you know, just within a few months. And thank goodness, domestic rabbits and wild rabbits don't breed or we'd have a real big problem. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's similar to rats, isn't it? Uh, domestic rats that you will have as a yeah. pet are, are genetically different at some level from those that are found in the Unfortunately, wild. Unfortunately, though, they can breed. And we have a situation really? yeah, we're working with right now. Um, there's a lot of um, people on the funny side who have rabbit or rats as pets, and uh, sometimes they'll abandon them when they move. And if they get into the walls or, you know, just running around the apartments, they'll run into wild rats. And we just had a litter of wild rats, and it makes it harder for them to adopt because they do have that wild instinct. Um, so then we have to look to spay or neuter them in order to try, um, you know, calm them down a bit so that we can help to rehome them. And that that is a nightmare because. You know, they, they have large litter sizes as well, but they can breed with wild rats, so it just, it's, it's trouble. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. First, they tear a hole in your roof. Then they get in, destroying your insulation, chewing your electrical wiring. Raccoons and squirrels are eating away at your biggest investment, your home. I am Brad Gates of Gates Wildlife Control. Don't wait any longer. Call Gates Wildlife Control. We'll humanely get them out and keep them out. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit us at GatesWildlifeControl.com or call 416-750-9453. Any writer will likely tell you, getting published is much harder than the writing itself. Who do I approach? How do I query? What should I put into my query? All valid questions and ones not always easily answered. On Get Published, I get you those answers. Authors, agents, and publishers talk about what works and what doesn't. 
Get Published is available on iTunes or on getpublishedpodcast.com. It's science pitch. Hello. Hey. I'm Tom. And I'm Matt. And this is It's Science Pitch, or a promo for It's Science Pitch anyway. We pretty much talk about science and pop culture and what have you in a kind of funny way. If it's geeky and can be linked to science, we'll find a way to get it in there. So you can listen to us on iTunes, where most podcasts live, Stitcher, tune in, and you can find us on Twitter at Binary Womb. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. So give us a listen. It's Science Pitch. Millions of animals are killed for their fur each year in Canada. You can help stop the cruelty. Join the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals today and be the voice for those who can't speak for themselves. Find out more at furbearerdefenders.com. This is Defender Radio. We're back with more from Lisa Hutchin of the Small Animal Rescue Society of BC to talk about rescuing rabbits and other small animals. What's the benefit of going out and adopting a small animal? Um, if, if you're really set on doing this, and there are people who absolutely love small animals. I'm a dog guy. Um, my, my, my guys would like small animals too, but for entirely inappropriate reasons. Uh, So what's the benefit of adopting a small animal? I think with adopting, what happens is you're going to be dealing with people that know that type of animal you're interested in adopting. So first of all, you know, we always recommend people do their own research. But if you don't know a lot about an animal, that's your chance to educate the people. And they can ask you questions. They can ask you about the, you know, the life span and veterinary needs and dietary, all that sort of stuff. As well, a lot of the animals that we have in um, our care for adoption are in foster homes. So the foster parents know the animal, they know the personality, and that's really helpful for making a good match with the family. As well, um, what happens is all the animals that we adopt out, we take back. So if you adopt an animal and for some reason, we don't use it to promote, oh, you can adopt and then just return it whenever you like. That's not the purpose. The purpose is is if for some reason you can't keep your animal again, we're responsible for it throughout its lifetime. So we're not contributing to, you know, more being unwanted. It would happen in a pet store situation where they buy one. After 14 days, pet store is not going to take it back. And then that animal is looking for a place and it's looking for a place probably in a rescue, you know. So it's just taking up or creating bigger problem whereas rescue we're responsible for the all the animals we have all the time and it, it just there's a lot of safeguards in place i think adopting through a rescue that help um ensure that the animal has a home for its entire life definitely and the same i'd say is very true of cats dogs and pretty much any other animal um now specifically with bunnies um they actually have very specific needs in terms of medical care, feeding, interaction, and uh, stimulation. Could you just sort of go over, you know, if someone's potentially interested in adopting a bunny, what kind of stuff they they need to know before they get uh, to the stage uh, of coming to visit you? Well, actually, you know, we welcome people to visit the animals kind of when they don't know a lot as well. So they don't have to know everything before they come to us. But it's important that they do do the research because we want them to know what a rabbit is. You know, don't come with these, again, you know, the misconceptions through the media of 
cute, cuddly, you know, fuzzy little creatures. You know, sort of research it, know what you're looking for, then come to us. And, um, you know, we help explain that rabbits have a lifespan of a cat or dog. They can live 10, 12, even 15 years. Some of them, the smaller breeds, can live longer. Um, they have a special dietary requirement. You know, hay is a large part of their diet. So if you have allergies or you're allergic to different types of hays, that's important. Some people use um, some of the wood bedding, which isn't really recommended, but, you know, that might be an issue. Um, you have to know, do you have other animals in the house? Do you have smaller children? What's your schedule like? Rabbits usually like to sleep during the day, so they're up in the morning and they're up at night. It's just, they're called crepus- crepuscular. Um, but that's also something to think about. You know, they don't like to be bothered during the day because that's kind of when they snooze. And one of the most important critical things is people need to think about vet care. A lot of ra- um, vets and in, in, in around town and stuff don't treat rabbits or you may find some that do but they're really old school in their methods and a lot of times I'll recommend euthanasia when it's not required um, just because of the way they were taught and um, a lot of the information came from breeders and stuff where they would call herds if they had a cold or something like that and it's just it's not necessary nowadays but a lot of that don't treat rabbits number one and people have to think as well you know, just because it's a rabbit, they think it might be cheaper, but it's not the case. It's going to be equally as expensive as a cat or a dog, sometimes even more because, you know, um, it's more specialized and they're higher risk sometimes under anesthetic or the procedures. And a lot of people aren't willing to shell out four or $500 for a vet visit for a rabbit that they either got for free, they got for 10 bucks, or, you know, even 30 bucks. So that's something to think about, and a lot of people don't think about that at all. Definitely. Now, one of the big changes in recent years in pet ownership is is the creation of vet insurance. Uh, you know, we've got it on all of our dogs, um, and people have horror stories, but they also have incredible stories where a dog's been injured and they've spent $5,000 on their care and gotten most of it back. Is that available for small animals at this point? No, unfortunately, it's not. The pet companies out here are a little bit uh, wiser. It is available in places like the UK, but it hasn't um, found its way out here, and they don't seem to have an interest in it at this point, because uh, I think it would end up costing them quite a lot. Um, you know, people have to think that, um, you know, something simple as maybe a weepy eye, where they'll take it into a vet, and if the vet doesn't understand rabbits that well, they'll be treating it for an eye infection, whereas it's probably something that needs an x-ray of the head, and it often turns out to be a tooth root issue where the tooth root grows up and blocks the tear duct and therefore causes the eye to weep. So then, you know, it may may require some sort of dental work. So it quickly spirals out of control with regards to costs. And a lot of owners, after three, four vet visits, are tapped out and that's when they contact us saying, you know, they have this animal that they can't afford anymore. They love it. They want to keep it, but they just can't afford vet care. And there is no insurance or backup or anything, you know, other than a credit card or personal savings or a rescue to try help them out, you know, to to um, come up with money for all these costs. Well, now that we've significantly scared a lot of potential adopters, what what are the benefits uh, of small animals? Um, again, you know, I, I had small animals when I was young, and as a youngster, it was not a good idea. Um, but... There are people who truly love small animals. 
what are the, you know what what's the benefit to a small animal in your home? Well, I think it just depends the species you're talking about. You know, um, for a lot of night owls, people enjoy hedgehogs. They enjoy hamsters. They enjoy chinchillas. So a lot of people don't give thought to the fact that hamsters are actually nocturnal. And what's a really popular pet for kids is a hamster. So they don't think about that. But if, you know, you're a night owl and you enjoy being up late at night, a hedgehog's a great pet because, again, for an adult, um, because they're prickly and they're kind of puffy and puffy. But, you know, it's somebody that I'll be up with and you can interact with at night. Um, Benefits with regards to rabbits, you know, they have a quiet, calm demeanor, more for the most part, for most of them. Um, so a lot of people enjoy a quieter pet, a pet that they can have in an apartment um, that doesn't bark, doesn't meow, doesn't get them in trouble with their strata, uses a litter box. Um, so it's just like a cat or dog. But again, you have to look at what your personality is like, what you expect from an animal companion, what the animal is like, and if you can find the right match for your personality, um, then it... I mean, they're just so underrated, you know, and underappreciated. They're just amazing animals. Um, and other people may want a smaller caged pet, um, you know, pair of gerbils, where you can have a smaller exercise area or a smaller living area. You know, you don't need something quite as big as you would for a dog, obviously. But it doesn't mean that just because it's a smaller thing that they're restricted and should be kept in these smaller you know, cages for their entire life either. They need exercise and stimulation. And a lot of animals, they don't really appreciate handling. Like a lot of hedgehogs don't or chinchillas don't. So you have to be able to set up the environment so that they're enjoying it, but you can also enjoy having their their company. And a lot of people appreciate sort of that. I wouldn't say hands off, but it's not, they're not as, I don't know if this could sound bad, as needy as a dog or cat. You know, cats are quite aloof, but dogs, I found after having rabbits for the past 15 years, I just find dogs super needy. You know, they're always in your face, and they always are just, like, begging for some sort of attention or something like that. Whereas a rabbit, they want their attention, but they also want their space, and I kind of appreciate that relationship a bit more, so it works. Yeah, it's um, it's very much the personalities, and I think something else that warrants uh, a quick discussion is the intelligence of these small animals, and that's something people, I think, truly underestimate. Um, here in Hamilton, uh, rats, I've seen several of them, uh, people carrying them around. They know their names. They'll uh, they'll teach them to sit and do little tricks like that, but they, they really do develop this, this intense bond uh, with small animals. Yeah, rats are amazing, and again, they're really underrated as a as a pet because they're up during the day, they're smart, they're clean, you know, they're trainable, they're very social. Rabbits as well, you know, a lot of groups are starting to do rabbit agility where they take just like a cat or dog and have rabbit agility and rabbit agility trials and things like that, but rabbits, you know, they learn their name. Again, it's not every rabbit and it's not every, you know, rat or whatever, but a lot of them will know their name or they know what the treat bag rattle means, you know, and some of them will do little tricks. And It it, it just depends, again, you know, on the relationship the person wants to have with any animal, right? You could have an animal that sits in a cage and does nothing and has no personality according to the owner, or you can have an animal that you interact with or you know how to interact with 
that particular species and what works and what doesn't work and the amount of effort and uh, time you are willing to spend to build that relationship. But these guys, it's not that they're stupid. It's not that they just sit and do nothing in a cage. It's because people often just leave them to sit and do nothing in a cage and they have no choice. Well, and I, I... You know, and they don't I, I think that's definitely fair. And that's even, you know, with multiple dogs in one household, I can say they each play differently, react differently to different stimuli, um, you know, and it, you have to learn what works for the individual animal, just like people. They all learn a little differently. They all do things a little differently. Um, now, uh, to, to wrap things up, people are going to be looking at Easter. Um, kids love Easter egg hunts and getting the baskets and all of that. What can parents do if their children are asking for a bunny or if they want to give them some kind of bunny-related gift for Easter? What would you recommend? What I what we try to promote is there's the Make Mine Chocolate campaign. And, you know, again, some people are happy with that. Others, you know, prefer not to choose chocolate for health reasons, that sort of thing. Just look for other alternatives. But if they're set on getting their child a rabbit or they had a rabbit as a child and want their child to experience it, that sort of thing. Number one, always do your research and we always make sure people go into it knowing what to expect. But what we offer them and what's great about rescue groups is we can offer them the opportunity to foster the animal for a couple of weeks as well to see if it's a good match. Um, all the animals that we adopt out, we do home visits and uh, an extensive application process which people, some people scoff at and others are great with. But we want to make sure it's a good match, so we offer them to be able to foster the animal for a few weeks, see if it's something that they expect, so, you know, see if it's going to be a family pet, first and foremost, not just the child's pet. So when the child loses interest, as most do, and, and they're not faulting them, it's just the nature of their being, um, that the parents are still interested and want to maintain, you know, the upkeep of the animal. So after a few weeks, they might say, you know what, this just isn't a good match, this isn't for us, um, and it's not a big deal. We take the animal back. It's not like they went out and bought one and now have this extra animal they don't want and are looking for us to, you know, have to take it in. Um, this way, they're helping us out a little bit by fostering, and hopefully in the end, after that foster period is over, they might say, you know what, this is great, this is a great match, and we'd like to adopt it. And so that would be a happy ending for everybody. Perfect. And uh, I just want to make one final note. I see on your website a note. Since October 2004, over 2,000 animals have found a home. And I've got to say thank you on behalf of all of our supporters and listeners. That is incredible work. And I know it's never easy and often thankless. So thank you and everyone else associated with the Small Animal Rescue Society of BC for this incredible work you do. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And we appreciate it because you know, everybody with our society is a volunteer. So, I mean, 2,000 over 10 years may not seem like a lot, but considering that we, you know, don't have a physical structure, we don't have, you know, dedicated staff and dedicated funding, it's quite a feat to, you know, juggle all these balls and maintain it. And as volunteers, everybody does what they can. Everything's appreciated and, you know, it's a, it's a great effort by everybody. To learn more about the Small Animal Rescue Society of BC, donate or volunteer, or find out who's available for adoption, visit smallanimalrescue.org. That's the show for this week, folks. I'd like to thank Lisa for her time, and as always, Brad Gates of AAA Gates Wildlife Control 
for his ongoing support of this program. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio, reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.